0: This is a strategist episode twelve sixty two. My name is Zane Belcher. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Carter, it's been too long.
1: Has it? It feels like
0: just well, it, was, it was
2: earlier today. I was hoping you'd keep. Yeah, it. didn't you? Didn't you give him a car
0: ride home, Carter?
1: I did give him a car ride home, and uh, he was grateful, but he forgot his jacket because my Let me car tell you was something. So warm.
0: Carter, we were at a live recording of a different podcast. Well, you were at a conference. I showed up for the live recording.
1: Yeah, I went to the conference to learn stuff. And then instead of learning anything, I watched well,
0: you. Well, no, you mean instead of learning anything, you had to listen to, to other people who didn't know what they're talking about. And I'm not...
1: You did have a few good lines for the other podcast. I'm yeah, that's pretty, pretty good.
0: Impressed. Corey. Oh, did you steal some of our lines? No, for the I other created podcasts? them on
1: my, on, on my own.
2: Oh, man. This was
1: possibly the only time I've ever seen him not steal our messaging. But the primary reason for it appears to be he hasn't been listening to the podcast. Oh, fair ball.
2: Also, Chad GPT. Like, can we really be sure that it was Zane?
1: That's true. Listen, a broken clock twice a day, something like that. Carter, was
0: everyone overdressed at the event or was I underdressed? No, You were
1: underdressed. You were the only person in a hoodie.
0: (laughs) Corey, let me tell you something. These Uh, public affairs professionals take life too seriously. Okay
2: yeah yeah well ian we, brody had denim we on used to be there yeah oh ian had denim on that's good
0: okay yeah, yeah. Well, well i mean he was also wrong cool. about a lot of stuff so um oh were you on a panel with him like staggering were you on wrong. a panel with him yes i was i would have liked jb not... jb the polling oracle Janet brown myself oh okay and uh ian brody uh now
2: I, what i really appreciate yeah. is we haven't actually named the other podcast i don't think we should oh no. I don't. think. I don't we think we but should. if they want to learn but more about this we podcast, own the they can visit
0: westofcenter.ca. They can visit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what, though? What I thought was amazing, Corey, is that Ian, all by himself, played the role of two asshole white guys. <laughs> like it was pretty listen, impressive. That
0: guy. That Wait, guy. You busy? Like, what's yeah. No, on? Carter was there. He was. He he promised. He promised to heckle. He promised to heckle. Um, I took a call,
1: and so I wasn't there for yeah, the beginning. well,
0: listen, you, you, you were there for the parts that mattered, which is the parts where I shined.
1: I did have to get up and pace for part of it.
0: Okay, let's st- st- stop talking about that. Corey, I haven't talked to you in a while. What's going on with you? Anything uh, anything exciting in your world?
1: Carter, how are you uh, doing? You're doing well? Uh, no,
0: Zane. Okay. Thank you for are asking. Are we good, Carter? Yeah. Are we, are we gonna, ready to do
1: I keep asking you if you want to go for I don't. Bike it's ride, snowing and outside. And you keep it's, ignoring it's just, me.
0: It's actually, at this point, yeah. it's inappropriate. <laughs> Just, it's, yeah. it's, it's threatening me. To, yeah, you had to, to right stop You've
1: managed to put it off. to This feels now like a next year yeah, project. Yeah, it does feel like a next year project.
0: Uh, it does. It will next year, too. <laughs> it absolutely will next year. Uh, and anything else to discuss before we jump into it, guys? We've got a lot to talk about. We oh, don't um, have anything to talk about. Carter, we're moving on to our first segment. Our first segment, an oldie but a goodie. Fine, Fabulous. Or Fucked. Oh, perfect.
2: I got to tell you, Zane, ever since you sort of revealed to us on a podcast on, yeah. I think it was on the Patreon, yeah. that you go to the fine Fabulous, or Fucked format when you just don't think no. the energy's there for the show. And I
0: see right now, no, let me tell you something. I'm actually, this is how bad the energy on the show is right now, okay? It feels like a different podcast, first yeah. of all. I'm not going to name which podcast, okay? No, don't even, don't even, don't even really? do compare it to a different podcast, Carter. Come on. Uh, however, I'm going to add it, and I'm going to add a twist, because I'm going to give you guys a fourth option. Oh. You see?
1: Oh, we always like that see, twist. You yeah. see, here's the thing. We always do here's well the th- with the twists.
0: I've realized over the years that that fine is fine. Uh, yeah. fucked, it's fabulous even. Fucked is also fine, okay?
2: It's it's also yeah. fabulous. Um, <laughs>
0: um, fabulous Rarely gets used. Now, I don't know if that's over the, over the years that you guys have just become cynical, uh, hard markers, uh, if, if Carter has just uh, given up on life and nothing is fabulous checked anymore out. at this stage yeah. and everything uh, aches checked, yeah. <laughs> and everything hurts, right? <laughs> no. You, there's, no the fabulous, there's no taste. The only thing fabulous is a bowel movement at 7.30. So I'm going to add a fourth oh category, God. guys. I and I like this fourth category. I don't want to talk okay? about it. But it it's going to be fine. Okay. It's going to be fabulous, Carter. It's going to be frustrating. Yeah. And it's going to be fucked and frustrating. I like frustrating because it adds a a level of political headache or heartburn that you can get over, but it's neither fine nor fucked. Yes, Corey, are you gonna are you gonna uh, are you gonna test me on 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 the new rubric that I've presented? Well, to you?
2: I'm just going to observe. Often, when you introduce a fourth category, yeah. we do one of two things: yeah. we either refuse to use right. it, or we only. Use well, I think it. at this point, keeper.
0: frustrating is pretty good. Yeah. I think it's a keeper. I'm very excited about frustrating, uh, which is kind of like what you're being right now, Corey. Uh, okay, <laughs> Carter, you don't seem uh, all that sold on frustrating. Um,
1: no, I'm always sold on everything you do, Zane. I've never had an
0: issue with anything Carter, you've ever done, Carter. You're going to love this. It's going to be what you want. Okay. Let's start. Let's try here. Yep. The Ontario NDP yep. guys have kicked out Hamilton MPP Sarah Jama from caucus after controversial Gaza comments. She has been booted, Corey, by Marit Stiles, the leader of the NDP, in a statement on Monday that while the caucus allowed different viewpoints, some of her actions since making her contrib- uh, comments have, quote, contributed to an unsafe uh, work environments for staff. Ms. Cham and I reached an agreement to keep her in the NDP caucus, which included working together in good faith with no surprises. Our caucus and staff have made significant efforts to support her during an undoubtedly difficult time. Corey, she's gone. She's gone yeah. for the NDP. Yeah, is this fine? Is this fabulous? Is this frustrating? Or is this totally fucked? And I, I'm going to talk about her censure in 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 the legislature in a second. But in terms of her being booted out of caucus, Corey, give it up. Give it to me.
2: Well, I think it's flummoxing because, in many ways, okay. the position that that she's taken is is not particularly outside the mainstream in the NDP now. There were an awful lot of people who took exception with specific words that she used in her original statement. Mm -hmm. But her cleanup statement really brought it into line with, you know, a viewpoint that I think you'd hear many people espousing with the NDP. So it certainly leads me to believe there is more going on beneath the surface than what we can necessarily see. And to me, one of the big tells of that really is the idea that, like, there was a work plan, no surprises, and, you know things came out of that that seemed to have surprised the leader. So that suggests to me, like, this is kind of a classic thing where, I I mean, I'll just say, I'll just say, like, there was a, there was an incident a while back, I won't name the specific situation where there was a billboard put up and the person responsible for the communications in that area, they got fired like that, like Hmm. just gone. And many of us observing within the industry thought, well, there has to be more to it than that. Like, none of us are just like one bad billboard away from termination, unless there's something more significant going on in terms of interpersonal conflict or, a, a, you know, clashing of visions between mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. two people. And that, to me, feels very much what's going on here. There, This is one of those situations where if the leader wanted to save her career, she could have. And if the leader was looking for an excuse to end it, she could.
0: Carter, the NDP wanted Sarah Drama badly. This was their star candidate in a by-election in Hamilton to replace Andrea Horvath. You know, she's a a Muslim woman. She's a black woman. She's a disability advocate. Um, They knew her perspectives on this file, frankly, prior to her even seeking and and winning office. But she's gone, Carter. So for the NDP, is this fine? Is this fabulous? Is this frustrating? Or is this fucked, Carter? I
1: think it's fair. Um, (laughs) This is a... I will you shut know, this down this podcast.
0: Okay. I will shut down this fucking what? podcast. Okay. No, I like fair. I think fair is good. Is it fair? Yeah, you want to go with fair? fair? It's okay. fair
1: because here's what happens. I mean, I agree with Corey's analysis, right? Like this isn't just one badly worded statement. This is something... Because the other thing that's usually afforded people is the ability to walk it back. But she hasn't walked it back. She hasn't reached into the mainstream of what her party expects from her. Um, so I think that this is one of those... Uh, moments where leaders are expected to lead, and to me, this just seems fair. So it, it was fair for me. You're and I think that, shortchanging
0: uh, your analysis just to fit a definition of fair, Carter. You have more to say, <laughs> and it is very clear you have more to say. But Cor- <laughs> Carter, I, uh, Corey, I'm going to no, come to you really in a second. But right. Carter, stick with me. Do you agree with Corey yeah. that it is indeed flummoxing, like this perspective she has held and verbalized? is not all that offside with the NDP perspective or what's socially acceptable within the NDP movement. And not even just like this flare up of the incident and the history, but historically, I would say.
1: I would say though, that there's, there's, uh, the unsafe atmosphere is something that's very interesting. The language associated with that, um, uh, indicates that there is something being behind this, uh, because the unsafe atmosphere for staff, like I don't think it's just getting more uh, negative calls. I mean, every political operative ever has to deal with negative calls. I, I think that there's something that that kind of goes beyond that. That's more about her behavior. Uh, so in terms of what this this looks like from afar, this is just this is a leader taking a fair action against someone who's not participating in the process. Um, That's why it's not flummoxing for me. Corey has a difficult time understanding big (laughs) concepts, but for me, this is fair.
2: Uh, Corey, you know, it's, so you mentioned star candidacy and it's also, I think, got to be pointed out that sometimes, star candidates don't get along well with caucuses they are stars because they have risen to great heights and they command great authority in the spheres from which they came and a caucus is a very different beast a caucus is about following a party line following the leader and in my experience the thing about stars is they off they can often go supernova they can just disappear from the sky and um it might be a situation like that too. Like, I'm really hesitant to suggest that kind of this innuendo about how staff are being treated and the environment is like, I don't want to give that stuff too, too much credence, but I do think that, um, you know, more of the story will come out in the days. Cory,
0: Corey, tell me in these terms Did Andrea, uh, didn't uh, Andrea, didn't did Mart Styles have to do this?
2: Uh no like I said this is this was the leader's prerogative the leader had avenues available to her and uh, styles decided ultimately that this is what she Now again look I'm saying this all without actually knowing the full details behind the scene but I will say based on the public facts mm-hmm. there were options available We only have the public facts right now but sometimes this is a way you can deal with a challenging situation, right? You know, it's that old adage, never waste a good crisis. And if they were having challenges internally, maybe this resolves some of them. Now, is that fair? Is that right? Different conversation. But certainly, it's a lever that leaders have been known to pull.
0: Carter, does this age well within the
1: NDP? The, uh, within the NDP is an interesting... I want to start uh, there first. Or, you yes. know, kind of, yeah, I mean, the NDP... Uh, I think we've spoken about kind of you know w- w- which side this this could be more challenging mm-hmm. for, and um, you know the NDP was certainly identified earlier on as as being a potential um, this this being a real challenge. I might for change you my answer
2: on
0: that one,
1: by the way. I know, but, but I, this is I'm just you know I'm kind of foreshadowing. I, I'm I'm allowing you to change your answer, Corey, but right now I need you to be consistent, <laughs> please, just for the sake um, of the show. I know I know this once, is not your for, general. For God's yeah, sake, gotta hold it you together, know, like, yeah. You know, um, yeah, anyways, I, I think that this is, uh, all of this is going to pose problems for the NDP. The, uh, the situation in and of itself is not easy politically. Uh, we've talked about that at kind of at length and, and this doesn't make it easier on a leader. It is a complex issue. Um, you know, there were many elements in her statement that are just factually kind of close to true, you know? And, and so how do you, how do you deal with that? But you know, her statement also ignored a tremendous amount of other facts that are absolutely true. It, it, and this is the challenge of these types of of issues. I mean, this is what we talked about before. I mean, how do you make the the statement? How do you thread the needle on this? Uh, and and my thing, I think the biggest problem was that she didn't attempt to, th- to thread a needle at all. And that's why I think it's fair that the uh, the the leader acted as she Corey? did.
0: How does this age within the NDP movement? And I use movement in, in on purpose because it is a movement yep. and it has held these perspectives that Ms. Jemma shares, not in those exact words, but sentimentally, I think it's fair to say that, that many in the party hold those perspectives.
2: Yeah, and you know, there's a couple of things to throw on the table. One is that Carter's absolutely right. Situations like this almost i say demand context not in the sense we normally mean it. I mean that when politicians speak, they're expected to provide a context to these things even when they hold views. Now that's really interesting to say and you know when we consider some of the other statements that perhaps were not afforded context in other contexts context in other contexts, holy cow. but wow that's yeah, that was awesome. a lot. you are I'm God, you must
1: be so <laughs> smart. Yeah, he's he's really intelligent. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: but you know, if you ask me how it's going to age, I think that's something on uh, Styles's mind, because I think part of the statement and the way it described other challenges and sort of tried to change the root challenge from a particular worldview to, I think, interpersonal conflict and the way uh, that Gemma manages these things internally in the NDP is a way to be able to say down the road, it wasn't about that, it was about this. Hmm. So, Will it be successful? I don't know. But to me, there was a clear planting of that flag to allow that kind of latitude down the road.
0: Carter, you know, the question I have beyond the movement is we've talked earlier, and I think mostly not on the pod, but we've talked over text and other places, how even the statements from the first week of this crisis and I'm going to use the same term again. Have not necessarily aged well in the sense that they may have included all the context for Hamas, but now they don't include any of the context for what's happened since then. And they don't necessarily, They look right. maybe too forthright or too one-sided. Uh, this was, of course, in an era where we were where many were being accused of both sidesism. Well, now you know people are asking, in some ways, not to be too overly simplistic, for both sidesism to actually explain the other side in some ways. Um, yeah. How does this move sit in the broader sort of uh, frame outside of the NDP? Any thoughts there from like a political strategy or even like analysis perspective of how booting out a woman, and let me add all, you know, and I've I've mentioned, you know, a disability rights activist, a Muslim woman, a black woman, um, out of your caucus, what, what does that kind of signal about the NDP? Not so much inside the NDP, but outside of the NDP.
1: I mean, all of these things are designed to signal certain allegiances and alliances, right? And I think those allegiances and alliances uh, kind of started off very much in in favor of of Israel. And now that we're starting to see the inevitable action from Israel, I'm not going to characterize it with any um, words to describe that action. I'm just going to say that there is action. And, you know, there are counter feelings now right both both sides isms uh, are coming in because there are two sides there are well there's more than two sides frankly there's multiple sides to this particular issue and with that with those multiple sides comes complexity and what have we learned what are we what do we what do we kind of almost caution about you know the simplistic answer or the simplistic statement um does not hold up particularly well in these very challenging very Detailed, complicated historical issues. And the facts that existed immediately after the the Hamas invasion are now different. Uh now that we're seeing the the counter-narrative, as they were after 9-11, right? 9-11 stands as a great example of this. There was an initial action taken, and then there was a series of counteractions, and those counteractions um, are viewed differently through the lens of history than they were viewed through the lens of immediacy. And so I think that, you know, your question is, will it be viewed? Of course it will be viewed differently. We don't know where all of this will end up. Um, but I suspect that uh, the that the reason that, as Corey's alluded, that the the, the NDP have mm. taken this kind of, and this has created bigger problems, is to allow that cover so that it does age with a little bit more grace, or at least there's the opportunity to uh, add a little bit more, more flavor. Course,
0: I'm not going to lead you here, but I'll add it as context. You know, you've in previous podcasts talked about the Muslim population and its growth in this country, especially in urban centers. You've also uh, alluded to the, the, I know on a very sort of binary perspective, uh, the, the growth of support uh, in Canada for the, the pa- Palestinian cause. Not driving you here, but it is attached to the question. <laughs> but bought me a bus ticket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I bought you. I bought <laughs> yeah, you red arrow yeah. ticket, uh, and it is free, and it's got your name on it. It's one of those single seats, uh, right behind and right in front of those cookies. <laughs> uh, Corey, what do you think? Like, it, 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 I guess a very Alberta. The, reference, Oh, of by course, the way, this is yeah. supposed to be an yeah. Alberta reference. Uh, although we're talking about Ontario, uh, and honestly, if you're in Ontario, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> That was a kind of needless drive-by. Yeah, yeah, like it was also Albert. Yeah, it was very Look Albert, at you, go. Carter. Come on. Yeah. We can be yeah. in the depths of discussing something important, and then we can give them a sharp elbow. That's very Alberta of us. What do you think, Corey? Like, I, 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 mainly around how this will be perceived about the NDP outside of the NDP. I'm kind of curious about that. The movement itself, you know, talks about the intersectionalities and the identities and all that such. But does this help, hurt, hinder, do nothing for the NDP from, from how it's viewed on the outside?
2: Well, you know, TBD. I think is is we are living history, and some of the things that we thought were kind of major threads even two weeks ago are are receding. Some other threads have really kind of picked up, and I mean, ultimately, it's going to take a little bit of perspective and distance for us to understand any of this in any real sense. But when you look at the broader thrust of demographics that you're talking about here, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, by and large, Canadians are more supportive of uh the Palestinian cause of independence than they were twenty, thirty years ago. And that it is also the official position of the government of Canada to have a two-state mm-hmm, solution, mm-hmm, right? So yeah. we're kind of stacking on, stacking on here. And um it's a it's a really tough one for political parties. And we've talked about this, I think on the in the episode we went pretty deep on this here. But you know, the the kind the reason one of the reasons why the statements at the start were a little bit Herky jerky, and people couldn't even necessarily bring themselves to give like the full-throated condemnations of terrorism that you would, you know, frankly, expect at a moment like this. Is because there is so much context, and there is so much of an understanding um, that has evolved over time in terms of kind of the Palestinian state. Uh, you know, people were doing calculations, and you know, frankly, like kind of the unqualified support for Israel hasn't been tested in a very long time, and this was a pretty significant test. And frankly, it was a horrible, horrible act of terror that occurred in Israel. And so, you know, I think it should have been pretty easy to condemn. But one of the reasons I think people were a little tripped up in those first couple of days is because of this change in reality uh, and the fact that the cause of Palestinian independence is much more prominent in Canada than it was. So if you assume that's the baseline, if you assume that's the baseline, then... um, you know, just as 9-11 and the horror of that faded, and let's be fucking clear, that was a horrifying day. Uh, you know, we can mm-hmm. all cast our minds back there. Um, you know, it's human nature. Tragedy tragedy fades, uh, and th- people shift their opinions of things, and Carter's comment about how we view the responses to things also changes, really resonates with me. And so, I, I don't know, but I think if I was going to guess at this particular moment... I would say it is going to cause a lot of pressure in political parties like the NDP and political parties like the Liberals that have taken very strong stances that are maybe not, you know, their supporters don't feel as strongly, right? They may feel as strongly about the specific moment of of terror and Hamas and, you know, the need to stand with Israel as Israel mourns in that moment, but may feel very different about the actions to come. I, it's just a simple reality. That's a political reality that mm. I think is going to be causing a lot of politicians a lot of sleepless nights over the next bit.
0: Carter, I'm going to. Well,
1: po- politicians have a very clear view on what happened after 9-11. And, you, you know, horrible day, all of those, all the words, right? But horrible outcome for for so many different people for so long. And now we look back and we look back at the Patriot Act or we look back at the invasion of Iraq. Um you know with a with a with different feelings, with trepidation, with with, with concern. With counter feelings some of the Right. It, well, so what do you That's you am, know what I mean? yeah. Um uh but you know Joe, even Joe Biden, right? I would argue the strongest support for Israel came from the Americans as it tends to. And even Joe Biden said, though, you know, look at us and look at look at the mistakes that we made after our um, after our national tragedy and be aware. Right. Be aware and try and be better. And that didn't get a, a lot of a, a lot of coverage, a lot of attention in my mind. But it really was a seminal moment because that was basically saying, you know, please be careful. Um, you you've got our support, but please be careful. And that was, I think, as far as he could go in that moment, and that's as far as he went. You know, like uh, he he did go as uh, as far as he could uh, to at least begin something vaguely resembling a conversation about what is too far look like from the from the Israelis in the in the aftermath. Okay, Carter, the, I'm going to move. I'm going to move it. On. Yeah, I,
0: I wanna, I'm going to keep it on the topic though, but I'm going to move it on. Fine, fabulous, frustrating, okay. or fuck Stephen Carter on Monday. The Ford government vote in favor of a motion to not only that not only acts as a form of disapproval for Sarah Jamma, but also prevents the speaker from recognizing her until a formal apology is made and the social media post is deleted. Carter, this is a censure. She, a motion was passed 63 to 23 with the NDP voting against to censure her in the legislature. From the perspective of uh, Ontario's sort of politics or democracy, the broader lens, Carter. Is this fine? Is this fabulous? Is this just frustrating, or is this fucked? Give it to me.
1: Ah, uh, you know how? Well, I, I think it's I think it's frustrating. Um,
0: no, it's fine. He, 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 no, he, broke, it. he broke it. He broke it. He broke it. it's
1: fine. I was.
0: I was you ran out I know you couldn't, you couldn't. I could come up with an F word.
1: <laughs> um, I worked really hard for it, but I couldn't find one. Listen, I. Uh, Here's why it's frustrating. Every person that is elected, I think, deserves the right to have a voice within the legislature. Um, having said that, there are times when people need censure. They need, need they need to be pulled back from their their own little evils. Right? Like there's certain things that that are done within the legislature, unparliamentary language, uh, any, any number of different things. Um, I'm not sure that this reaches that category. And uh, I mean, she faced another consequence and that consequence was being removed from her caucus. That was a, that is a big consequence. So I'm not sure that I really understand, you know, where the Ford government and where, I mean, everybody else is just piling onto this. Um, And I'm not sure that it's, it's in the best interest of parliamentary tradition And that's how I would put it in terms of parliamentary tradition, not necessarily in what she said, how she said it, what she meant, who she offended, who she may have offended. But just in terms of parliamentary tradition, I I fear that there has been a step too far with this particular.
0: Corey, I know you're searching for F-words, which is what you'd mainly do with your spare time. Fine, fabulous, frustrating, or fucked. Sarah Jemis is censured in the Ontario Legislature.
2: I think it's a fine example of factionalism. All all that they're trying to do right now is create a wedge between themselves and the NDP. They know this is an issue that causes the NDP a great deal of discomfort because of uh, you know where the expectation and where convention is on on this issue at this moment and the the various pressures that are being felt for for people to you know rightly condemn an act of terror against Israel. And uh that that's kind of politics 101 when your opponent is twisting help them twist a little right and and create these moments that you can then point to and by putting it into the legislature and putting it in terms of the censure what they have done is they have turned it into a situation where you can point to the NDP caucus not just one member of the NDP caucus is taking a stand on something so is it is it cool of them is it cool of the Ford government to play it this way and try to pull at kind of these tensions that exist within society? I don't think so. But I mean, if if that's the bar, I've got a problem with an awful lot of politics that's going on in an awful lot of places right now. Um, but yeah, this is just conventional web or wedge politics. This is just factionalism.
0: Do you have any more heartburn around like the democratic cause or the parliamentary tradition cause or, or Carter and I? perhaps as a group, being so romantic about that. I'm kind of curious to, to, to get your take on that particular angle of it.
2: I mean, I don't know. I, I could spin an argument on either side. These bodies do govern themselves because they're not governed by anything else. And so, yeah, rules get created. The majority create those rules. Are those rules always right and just and fair? Absolutely not. I mean, but that goes back to the founding of this country. Louis Riel was you know, kicked out of Parliament and then sent back to Parliament and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, obviously his uh, his later antics are, are seen in different lights, but, you know, he's considered one of the Fathers of Confederation with the Red River Rebellion and all of that. And, yeah, I mean, you can look at these things through a, a lot of different lenses there. And I ultimately don't think this is the most egregious assault on kind of the authority of an individual member although it's it's not great right i, I don't love it and uh, you know the one that i don't like about it is the speaker failing to to recognize it mm. because there is the sense that a representative should yeah. be able to speak their mind even if that's unpopular and i feel that there are different more appropriate measures that are available uh if uh, if a legislature wants to show displeasure and uh, that to me was probably a bridge too far.
0: Carter, let me ask you this. I have got more to move on to, but I want to I want to put you in this position cuz it, it makes me happy. Okay, great. You're helping Sarah Jama today. What would yep. you suggest she do? Here's what she has done. She spoke in the legislature today saying hope she hopes more politicians like herself will speak out on it. She she reaffirmed all her commitment called, you know, uh the the Israeli sort of uh counteroffensive inappropriate, called for a ceasefire. What would you advise her to do here? You know, given the political box that she is in, right? We're talking the raw political box that she's in. She's out of the caucus. She's, she's been censured on either of those two fronts or even what she says outside of the legislature. What would your advice to someone like her be if you're just focused on her as a, as a political actor here?
1: Well, I think that the, I would ask her what her her long-term goals are as a political operative does she have the intention of remaining in politics and if she does then i would probably suggest to her that we you know she needs to do a statement recognizing um the challenges that she's kind of created through her statement um put put forth the uh the uh, the, the challenges with the occupation of palestine the true the position of canada as a uh, I'm seeing a two-state solution, solution in how committed she is to a two-state solution, but, the, you know, she has to make sure that that two-state solution includes the the state that already exists, and I think that that's where things kind of fell off the rails, is that it, it looked like, you know, maybe she was advocating a different mm. type of solution there, and that... That, that seems to have been the interpretation so if i'm working with her and she wants to remain in politics then that's how i take it if she doesn't remain want to remain in politics because of the the taste souring her mouth or whatever then i tell her to fucking resign like this game isn't for you move on um it just it's not for everybody right politics isn't for everybody uh if this is what you want then then you got to make some accommodations if it's not what you want if it doesn't fit you want to be able to speak your mind uh any which way you want outside of party party control and uh the control of 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 a legislature then leave there's nothing stopping you from having whatever viewpoint you want to have uh outside of the outside of government outside of the
0: the legislation. Corey, she's also threatening the Premier with legal action uh, against what she calls defamatory remarks, cease and desist letter sent to the Premier's office as well. That's also on the go. But if you're advising her, what are you telling her, Corey? Carter's is a good starting point. You, if you
2: want to come out of this in some way, shape, or form and proceed with your political career, you've got to write the present and you've got to rewrite the past. And you, that ultimately means you've created a narrative that is palatable to the constituency you're trying to win over, whether that be the NDP membership, whether that be the members in your riding, or sorry, the citizens in your riding, or whether that be uh, the members in the legislature. So that is going to be the work to come. I think one of the interesting angles on this that is probably worth at least mentioning, and I simply don't know enough about internal Ontario NDP politics to know if it's particularly relevant, is that you know, Styles was acclaimed to the role of leader. Her popularity has never really been tested. We've talked a bit about the fact that yeah. uh, you know, support for the state of Palestine, or, or a state of Palestine, I should say, is um, is probably more popular than the political voices in leadership are are making it seem at this particular moment. And I just don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a flashpoint to come in terms of the Ontario NDP membership. Certainly, there were a lot of people online who were very upset uh, with her treatment, and uh, I could easily see this becoming a bit of an internal party uh, moment of strife. But I don't know, right? It just really depends on how firm of a grasp Styles has on all of that. Part of me thinks very firm. That's why it was an acclamation. Mm. Part of me thinks. We don't really know. And um, and the membership as a whole, if it has any opportunities coming up to make their voice known, could, could be a very interesting couple of months for the Ontario NDP.
0: I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to keep it on... The Israel-Hamas war, Carter. Because why not?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, good. You, you, I, I've you, been, I think, successful in dodging. No, too you, many you, you, are, balls, you are. You so. are going to
0: have to give me at least one more round on this, Stephen Carter. More than thirty MPs, That's including good. twenty-three liberals, call for a ceasefire in Israel-Hamas war. Uh, these liberal MPs have written a letter. To their Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, well, their their Party Leader uh, Justin Trudeau, calling on to advocate for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Quote: Canada has been a long, has long been a voice for peace. I'm sorry. The longer this conflict goes on, the more innocent civilians will pay with their lives. We demand that Canada join the growing international call for an immediate ceasefire. Canada must act before more innocent children are killed. Signed: 33 MPs, and as I mentioned, 23 Liberals, including uh, Nathaniel Erskine Smith, Yasir Naqvi, Omar Algrabra. Carter, for Justin Trudeau and the Liberals, is this fine that this letter's been circulating and sent over? Is this fabulous? Oh, couldn't hope for a better thing right now. Is this frustrating politically or is this politically fucked? Laid on me.
1: Uh, I'm still out of F words. Um I think hey, there's, this a, is there's a healthy scale i provided to you, Carter. You don't you don't uh, it's a <laughs> yeah, very I, I, usable I, I think it's frustrating. I think it's frustrating don't think because... It's I'm really curious you know, up, why,
0: why you don't. But anyways, keep going and I'm going to press you on this.
1: Because there's a few truisms within it, right? Number one, Canada has long been a uh, proponent of peace. We have served... Uh, I think we've talked about our great history as, as peacekeepers uh, in the world and, and how proud I think the Canadians are of that great history. I think that you know, we, we've served in hot spots around the world, uh, keeping people who want to kill each other, uh, apart, and I, I'm I'm proud of our history um, as peacekeepers. And and it seems kind of ridiculous that there's a wrong time to call for peace. <laughs> you know, I I don't want to. There's there's an expectation right now that there is a that Israel is due the opportunity of of nationhood, which is to defend oneself. And I'm not going to. It's really hard to define where the line is.
0: Of well, and actually, you to your design. point, when the line is.
1: When, where, how does it get played? It's an interesting perspective. And and I I I think this letter gets better received in a certain amount of time. Um, yeah. I, and ah. I don't know. And I think that that's also one of my lessons from... Uh, that's also one of the lessons that I saw from the Iraq and Afghanistan invasions from the United States. Uh, people who called for these types of peace initiatives, people who called for peace early, were shouted down. And I think historically, we view them very well. But in the moment, I think we view them very poorly. And I think that that's the problem that Justin Trudeau has right now, is there'll be too many people viewing this poorly.
0: Corey, Car- Carter's gone. I, I've got, I'm giving you the scale. You know it. Lay it on me. What is it?
2: I mean... Very frenzied behavior by the MPs, and uh, I, I I think too reactive. Look, we have talked about this. We are still in this moment. I, you know, I can't get past this. I, I, I appreciate kind of this overall plea for peace, but there are hundreds of hostages still being held. We are still in this moment. What the call for peace right now is saying is. You know, Israel down tools. Hundreds of your citizens will still be hostages. I don't know any nation that would accept that. I'm sorry, I simply do not. And so it seems a little bit naive when you think about it in the context of international relations. If I can detach myself from human emotion and look at this from space, do I think maybe that is ultimately going to save more human lives? Okay, But this is the real world, and there is not really any nation that's going to accept literally hundreds of hostages taken, pulled across the border, and being told, down tools, down tools, guys. We're going to figure this out. It's not going to fucking happen. And I think it shows a certain naivety by a lot of the MPs who signed it, particularly the government ones, uh, through this particularly complex situation, intense situation. And not complex because it's like, is the loss of human life good or bad? I don't know. Of course it's fucking bad, but we are talking about, uh, you know, trying to resolve a situation and we don't do that with magical thinking. We do not do that with magical thinking. Full stop.
1: Well, so I can, but I, I see the, like, I see this kind of other hand of this Corey saying, you know. Why would why would be calling for peace be a bad thing, right? We should be calling for peace at all times. Yeah, There's Neville, Neville Chamberlain a peaceful said solution.
2: that at one point too,
1: I bet, right? Well, and and I mean, you're cherry the, you picking Neville, your
0: examples. No, real, no, no just for those listening, no, but I'm no relation I'm to
1: saying, <laughs> um, are you sure? I'll, I'll check. Actually, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I see the resemblance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I just think. I understand the there's a group of people that of holier than thou people who believe that that all war and all conflict like this is bad. I I I think of course it's bad, but it's going to happen. And, and sometimes war is required and sometimes war is even necessary. And I think that sometimes we just, you know, there are good people who want to, to believe that war shouldn't exist. I agree with you, Corey. I think that there's a this is a moment when a nation state is required to act, and they must act in order to um, not necessarily avenge the, their citizens, but pro- to protect this type of action from happening again. And again, certainly, I think again, that that's where the state is n- Not Israel even saying
2: goes. happen again. Literally happening right now. We are in this moment. There are hundreds of yeah. hostages. They're they're being released two at a fucking time at this particular moment every week. Like, at this rate, this will not be resolved for many years. So, you know, like, we're not even like, there is kind of a a growing kind of opinion that this is retaliatory. And certainly, I think that there is a, a lot of very strong feelings are, that can can lead into that space. But we are still in this moment. This particular crisis is still going on for the state of Israel. That is what so I, I just think wanna, I need to underline.
1: I want to return to one of the things I said very early in this discussion, and that is that there are rules to war. And the rules to war that were ignored by Hamas. And my point early, and I, and I would return to this, is I do think that Israel— is bound by the rules of war by by virtue of the fact that they are a nation state, uh, and I hope that that will assist the outcomes because I don't I don't want needless bloodshed, but some bloodshed over the course of history has been shown Look, to be. I want to be, be almost super barred.
2: fucking clear. This is not a blank check to break the rules of war. This is not saying deaths of no, civilians. But I, I want to make sure that we have those. I'm yeah, saying, I saying. want to make
1: sure that we have those caveats. Yeah, but you I'm know? saying like,
2: the idea that they are not going to go to war or they will stop their war at this particular moment, that's not – like, uh, this is the naivety of the ask. Like, the ask needed to be – we will not accept needless. We will not accept civilian deaths. Even I could have accepted, right? This needs but to be that's, targeted. That's even impossible. Well, of that's course, that's not it even going to happen. But at least yeah. that is sort of acknowledging that there is still going to be some sort of military action by the state of Israel. Hundreds of hostages still happening.
0: Corey, talk to me about this. Um, Trudeau, political yeah. headache, or like yeah. a big one. Or like, or like, yeah. or is this like totally like? I guess the question is, if if you are classifying your own twenty three or so MPs as being not necessarily in it with the real politic sort of thing, right? Not necessarily understanding the stakes for a lot of them, it's clearly personal, and I'm just basing that on like the very simplistic last name check, right? Of the fact that many of these folks are Muslim, right? So yeah, there's that element. Not to say that that's their only identity, but it's personal, okay? From from his perspective. How does he need to respond to this? Like, what does the response look like? So this is a headache. These people will keep talking, right? They're doing interviews with PMP. Many are, are, are kind of have like the, the moral high ground by saying we're the ones calling for peace, even though I appreciate your points on like the international relations and like the, the historical context. How and does, does Trudeau respond to this? And more specifically, if you were advising the prime minister, I'm going to ask this to both of you, how would you suggest he respond to this?
2: Well, so a couple of weeks ago, I said that this was going to be a harder issue for the NDP, and I didn't really need to think about it very much. But the challenge is greater for a prime minister in this situation, simply by, uh, you know, because he's got levers of power and the conversation in the governing caucus sort of matters. Like, it's not theoretical, it's not academic, it's what Canada's position is in the world. But additional to that, because the Liberals were so full-throated, in their support. Now, the prime minister has made more measured comments since then. It would be interesting to talk about some of them. Some, you know, the prime minister was one of the first to sort of talk about the hospital explosion being a terrible mm-hmm. thing, and one of the last of the Western leaders to say, "Looks like it was an errant mass yep. rocket, right?" Um, but it's it's tough when you have gone out so far on a ledge. You've walked so far into the field with your team behind you to turn around and realize not all of your team is behind you. And uh, here you are now. And so that creates a tension that is, if you want to talk about in politics, exploitable by the Conservatives. That creates international confusion, if you want to talk about it in terms of statecraft. How firm is Canada's position on this? Where does Canada really stand? And that's ultimately a much worse position to be in than the position of the NDP, even with the Ontario NDP conversation sure, we just like, had. Like Forty minutes on the yeah, yeah. Simply, yeah, simply because the Ontario NDP, the federal NDP, any NDP, sort of knows there's that tension, and their statements have reflected that. Right? They have been much more context heavy. With we condemn moment A, we understand it's in the context of situation B. Right. And and so the liberals don't have that cover. They have gone out so far, and now that is being tested, and it looks like it's kind of failing the test. You know, it doesn't have the monolithic support that the prime minister's very strong statements would have
0: suggested. Carter, what would you suggest he do? Private, public... Huh. should he censure these people? I feel like that's a tool that's available to him. He should probably censure his own MPs. I'm to joke. Thanks for laughing. Uh Carter, what, what, <laughs> what would you suggest if you were advising the prime minister? What would your your strategy be on to dealing with this crisis? Amid, I guess everything else he's dealing with as, as 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 context.
1: Y- yeah, I mean, I think that this is I think we'd be remiss not to recognize that this is in a in a much broader context where his personal polling is, is very weak, and, and he appears to be a very weak leader. Um, you know, he appears to be a weak leader, period, end of sentence, right? And we can come around to a number of different ways of looking at that. His, his weakness uh, is one of the reasons that we are finding ourselves in this position. Therefore, I would probably advise that this prime minister say, um, there is a time for peace, and there is a time for war, and this is a time for war.
0: That feels I would go, really off of where. Yeah. Okay.
1: I think that he. I think. So you're has saying to do that. he publicly then, say there's a time for people. I would then peace follow up. Time
0: for war. It's a time
1: for a war. It's
2: just like that. Feels off. Off of like where Canada I is as a
1: brand. Yeah. I mean, you have to go there you because. Have to lean and then into I would war? follow up. If, yeah, you can. can, I you, can you can finish my statement. I
2: mean, you can. But I would. I just want you to know up. if he makes this statement, that's what the reporters will be interjecting in this way during said statement. Yeah.
1: Well, well, he's going to be like, and he needs to be able to follow up with. We will be the first in line to bring the Canadian peacekeeping mission uh, to Israel and to into and the to the West Bank or to uh, the Gaza Strip. But right now, Israel has a responsibility to protect its citizenry. They have a responsibility to uh, to bring back these hostages. Uh, we, we, the people of Canada, understand that that is. Uh, the responsibility of uh, a nation state and we stand behind that we will be watching to ensure that the rules of war are followed um, and that uh, humanitarian aid when uh, when able is delivered uh, we'll be first upon the on the lines to do that uh, as we will be the first of, of ones there to to keep the peace but this is not a time for
0: what would you suggest here? You you're like having some, some reactions in regards to uh what what I suspect is is Trudeau's Mussolini moment that Carter wants him to <laughs> that Carter <laughs> wants him to take. I Mussolini? mean what a fucking zag. Yeah. I don't I don't no, think he
1: could. come on. You
2: don't Listen, think he's got the leadership skills can't. to pull it off. I hear you. <laughs> I don't think he can do the War Measures Act thing his dad did. Like I just simply don't think it's the same Liberal Party. I don't think he's the same Trudeau.
1: I mean, I don't think that's a War Measures oh, Act. They're no, going to act. It's, they're going to do what going I mean, it's literally called
2: the War Measures Act, and you literally said now is a time for war. So, I mean... Well, we're
1: not going to war. I'm not saying that we should Sounds be like a
0: something war. a pansy would say. I'm saying that Israel's <laughs> it's, it's going to It's time for war. war, but not for us. It's <laughs> a really... <laughs> like, sentence yeah. one really is undercut yeah, by sentence two. It's like two. a
2: Phil Oaks song. Yeah. The <laughs> Draft Dodger Rag you're singing. So, you know right who's
0: going to have my back? Well, I'm just now. typical from a typical American Now is the time you guys go to war. Thank you. Is that is that the statement? That is exactly or? what it is. <laughs> it that is
1: exactly no. Israel's going to go to war, guys. I don't know if you know this, but Israel's going to invade the Gaza. That, that, that's going to happen. What do you want from me?
2: I yeah. okay. Well, tell me I'm wrong. I think um, when I when I contemplate what the prime minister is likely going to have to do. It's a bundle of both very strong actions in support of Israel statements. I think along the lines of what Joe Biden said, which is, you know, we are, we are there for Israel. Um, we, we caution Israel not to let, uh, I, I, you know, Joe Biden put it so well, and I'm going to paraphrase it very poorly, but like we caution Israel not to let kind of like grief and rage overtake, you know, the moment, um, But uh, I think it's also going to have to be bundled with an awful lot of humanitarian actions. Uh, Frankly, I'd be very curious to see where Canada is on accepting refugees Hmm. from Gaza. I would love to see what kind of actual money we're putting into really significant uh, humanitarian aid. There is a lot of questions as to who's going to search things. Maybe there's a role for Canada to stay up, stand up, and say, "You know what? We will," because it's really important aid get to people. I don't know. Maybe that's insane because that draws us so deeply into a conflict. The point is, we could use a little bit more than words if we actually care about the humanitarian outcomes.
0: Corey, would you uh, finish this particular question off for me? Would you publicly say anything about these MPs, or would you not even uh, validate? their statement or the letter that they've signed. Is this a you deal with it in caucus moment, or is this a deal with it in public moment? What, what, no, what would I, you do? You're going to have to say something. You do have to say yeah. something. Look, you think? I, would,
2: I would say something like, well, if somebody asks you directly, you say, listen, one of the things about the Liberal Party is we've always... We've always enjoyed and allowed and been strengthened by a diversity of opinions, and I certainly understand these MPs believe strongly in the cause of peace, peace, and and we do too. But now is not the time for anybody to be questioning Canada's commitment to Israel and questioning Canada's commitment, uh, you know, to supporting Israel um as it has so many citizens currently being held hostage in gaza and a situation has not yet unfolded a situation is on us right now uh as prime minister i simply will not um back down from that particular statement um it's the position of the liberal party it's the position of this government um that uh, that we will support israel like that that's what he's going to end up saying something to that effect
1: yeah but he should be saying it stronger Ah. He has to, he has a strength problem. He needs to be strong. You
2: know, the thing is, though, Stephen, like, people with strength problems rarely look strong by going overboard, right? By, I don't
1: think it's overboard. I think it's recognizing that Israel's going to go to war. Period. Now
0: is it time it's, for it's, war? It's, it's yeah, a right.
1: recognition of the reality of the situation.
0: Carter, I'm moving on. Pierre Polyev, Yeah, he's got words oh, to say okay. in his first public comments on Alberta's proposal to withdraw from the CPP. He said that Albertans are seeking to, quote, get some of their money back, but I encourage Albertans to stay in the CPP. If you're Danielle Smith, is this fine? You never need Pierre Polyev's voice. Is this fabulous? In fact, this is great. We're going to run against Pierre (laughs) Polyev. Is this frustrating to your APP ambitions, or is this uh, downright fucked? Give it to me, Carter. What is it?
1: I think it's, I think it's fucked. I think that Danielle's idea is fucked. And, uh, This is, this is, you know, when you, when you can't even win over Pierre Polyev on lunatic ideas, I mean, what do you have left? Um, Pierre Polyev's should be a natural ally uh, for, for her and, and he's not. Um, You know, I mean, I was in a room, you and I were in a room today with all those public affairs professionals, half of whom were from outside of Alberta. And there, there's not a lot of love for us in the room. Uh, We look a little selfish. We look a little dickish. And uh, I think, you know, last week we talked about how every once in a while Pierre Polyev has a tendency to slide back to Dick. And uh, I think he was trying to avoid it. He sees that. You know, this is this, the Dick position is already occupied by Danielle Smith.
0: Quotable quotes by Stephen Carter. No, thank came you. out wrong. Uh, Corey. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that, that may
0: Corey not quote, have not. the, the division the today on the CPP think. is entirely the result of, bring it on, bring it on, one, two, three, Justin Trudeau attacking the Alberta co- uh, economy. We would not be having this CPP debate if I were prime minister because Alberta would be free from carbon taxes, unconstitutional anti-energy laws, and other unfair wealth transfers for Danielle Smith, Corey. Is it fine, fabulous, frustrating, or fucked that Pierre Polyev... Eh, supports the cpp
2: hmm i would say that it was a flawless execution by pierre polyev of the cory hogan strategy on the last podcast where basically i i said exactly this is is what should be said maybe not quite flawless because my one criticism of it is he did lend credence to the idea that this would save alberta money you know this notion oh clearly alberta's trying to get more money because trudeau's had his hand in alberta's pocket for so long this wouldn't happen under me Blah blah blah, not ideal for the Alberta Premier that the the more popular leader of the federal Conservatives would take this particular position, shouldn't surprise her. So I have to imagine that uh, you know she will um, she will roll with that punch. It would have been unreal to me if Pierre Polyev had come out in favor of an Alberta pension plan. Like that's what do you get there? There's nothing to gain, everything to lose with that particular position. Uh it's not even popular in Alberta lest we forget so why would Pierre Polyev want to support it Yeah Um so it has to be costed in has to be
0: costed Corey in. I'm going to stick with you so I'm going to keep it on the on the Alberta pension plan Jim Dinning blast from the past he's the chairman of this of this Yeah
2: former treasurer of That's Alberta right. which was what we used to call our finance minister back when we had style back when men wore oh, hats back when men
0: were yeah. men Corey, they knew what they were doing. They you could run the government, okay? <laughs> they were they were doing things that Jim Denning did. Well, Corey, he's back. And he says he was surprised. Yeah. Now, he's the chairperson of this panel, this three-person panel. He said he was surprised yeah. by the report saying that Alberta's is entitled to 53% or $334 billion I mean, I would the be, because it's kind of nonsense. Quite, but I was gobsmacked yeah. by the big number and found it difficult numbers. to swallow. And then I dug deeper into it. And then he concludes later in the article that it's totally legit. He did his own he, he, research. Well, he did the research that was provided to him in the report, later on in the report. And he concludes, totally okay. Totally the right number for us. I'm paraphrasing. Corey, how much of this is... It, this is... A fun one, I guess. But uh, continuing on the theme of a pain or a nuisance to Danielle Smith, fine, fabulous, frustrating or fuck to have the chairperson of your own sort of panel um, A, choose not to kind of take a side, so to speak, to kind of be a convener or a referee, not a salesperson and B, also be surprised by how, how big the ask is of Alberta to rob the CPP and bring it back home.
2: Well, a pretty fine spun position here, you know, clearly trying to not uh, undercut anything he may have said in the past about this particular idea. Lest we forget, Jim Dinning was treasurer when the federal government was convening the provinces to try to figure out how to save the Canada pension plan, which yeah. <laughs> which they did. So good work, Jim, only to kind of years later, come back and, and try to kill it, I guess. But, uh, you know, also... I think what he's trying to do is that very classic rhetorical technique of making yourself a proxy for the audience, Mm. right? Like, he knows the instant reaction to this has been, this is absurd. So, I mean, this is is 101 stuff in speechcraft. So you say, I too thought this was absurd. But friends, folks, let me tell you, when I dug into it, despite being gobsmacked, turns out there's something to this you know there's that one neat trick that lets us take all of the money from the federal government and um that is pretty conventional communications and so while a lot of people are making fun of it here i Mm. think that's that's an old politician trick right and it's a way that you are going to get a few people to look at it twice and say yeah i mean my instant reaction is it's absurd i guess that was jim dinning's too until he looked into it and jim dinning says it's not absurd so Look, this thing is in such a hole. Of course, people are going to come out and kind of deride Jim Dinning's comments in this way. But this is the kind of thing you do to start trying to change people's minds and start building opinions about this. And um, until somebody else puts kind of the counter narrative out there, until, say, CPPIB puts out numbers, the federal government puts out a stronger, more concrete, like this is what we expect it will be, They've kind of got the field to themselves. It's it's Jim Dinning and the Alberta government versus a very nuanced position by
0: Trevor. Uh, Carter, I'm frustrated because Corey took the point I wanted to make because I thought neither of you would make it. I was going to defend Jim at the end of this. But, <laughs> Carter, your perspective, <laughs> fine, fabulous, frustrating, or fuck, Daniel Smith, this particular quote by Jim Dinning. what do you, what do you take? Are you, are you with Corey on this, or do you see this differently?
1: No, I, I, I agree with Corey. I mean, I think that this is... Um, This is the you know, this is essentially the do your own research argument from from the you know, the whatever conspiracy you want to bring forward. I mean, this is how the that whole narrative gets established. Right. Uh, You know, I didn't believe it either. But, you know, do your I did my research and here's where I think you should, you know. You'll note that the great conspiracy theorists never tell you where to go and do your own research because they know that you won't go and do your research, right? They they know that you're going to take as, a, as the proxy of, well, I was concerned and I did my own research. And this is why we wind up with, you know, f- the citizens, of the, the Freemasons or the free citizens on the la- land or whatever the hell they are. You know, like people believe what they want to believe. And, and I'll tell you something, if they want to believe that they're going to be further ahead by doing this, then they're going to believe that. And, and it's going to take a lot to, to convince them otherwise that they're not going to be further ahead. Um, this was a really good rhetorical device from Jim Dinning. His little aw shucks, things tend to work. Um, I'm disappointed. I I think he's fucked. I think he's burning his reputation to the ground um, but I also thought that was Steve Allen, and uh, you know, well, he, well, I guess there's a name we haven't heard since he did, you know, since Why he turned it his No one asks to us to do
0: panels, Carter. Like, we ask us to do political panels, but no one asks us to sit on a panel with, well, literally doing what you to panel. No, what, like, no, like what he, he means, studying? like, like, like uh, yeah, gö- yeah, Carter. No one, no one lets yeah, us show up on a conference call. Oh, it's because like, oh, people don't like us. I feel like that's guilt by association. I was on the uh, I was on the
2: market access task. Force. What is that? that? I was on a panel. You were also sounds, on the Olympics thing. Did both of yeah. those things fail?
1: Yeah. You were on two. Corey's the
2: opposite both what, of them Who's failed. the opposite <laughs> of Midas? Hey, there seems to be a Trans Mountain pipeline. I'm just saying. Is I'm there a, saying. a Trans
0: Mountain? I mean, do we you're, actually. I've never you're welcome, Alberta. I'm, I'm going to have to do my own research. I when seen I heard it. there was a Trans Mountain pipeline, I, have to do, I was yeah. like, holy fuck, that's not a real thing. But then I dug deeper. I
2: mean, deeper. there's been one since
0: the uh, 50s. But the I dug deeper. Scopsman seems to be built. Scopsman. I'm gonna start using that technique way more. Let's move on to our final segment. Our fine, fabulous, or fucked is done with the frustrating, which you guys picked more often than not. Oh Carter, our over/under, our lightning round. Ugh. We do it for you. Let's start here, Carter. Give me okay your one sentence strategy mm-hmm. for the CPPIB's counteroffensive. What should it be? Should they be focusing? Let me throw a few things on the table. In Alberta, should be focusing yeah. the counteroffensive to the rest of the country. Depending on your answers, I actually want to do an episode about this. To let's run the CPPIB yeah. campaign. What should they be doing right now in the in the world where Notley and Polyev and Trudeau are aligned against the C, against the APP? Where Jim Dinning um, is chairing this panel? Where Danielle Smith and the provincial government are pushing advertising that says it's your choice. What should the CPPI be doing? Top line, Carter.
1: They should be recognizing that the this is almost all driven by what people want, right? People's individual motivations. So don't try and defeat this on things like, um, it's not true. It's not right. It's not, you know, you're not getting the full story. If you try and defeat it that way, um, then I think that you'll lose this needs to be defeated on what's in your individual best interest what is the best possible outcome for you as a voter i have said time and again voters are selfish you cannot win an argument with the voter by telling them how their sacrifice is well-intentioned or um you know the, the this is in the best interest of the country as a whole they don't give a shit They are only interested in themselves, uh, and if you don't construct arguments with that understanding, then you're going to lose. And that would be the argument that I would bring forward, is, is here's how this is in your best interest do not get caught up in how is this in the country's best interest. It's just it's a fool's errand. Corey,
0: that was one run-on sentence by Stephen Carter. Your sentence, your strategy, your headline—it was—it was, it was, it was, a, it was a fine sentence, Carter. Uh, CPPIB. Great sense, uh, Corey. And before you answer, uh, Wilt Chamberlain, Neville Chamberlain, not related. You are not. You are not. Oh, you okay. are not. I want you to look do that, that in a, like a very okay. Maury way. You know, like where, yeah. Yeah. you are, you are not, not the father. Not related. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah go ahead, Corey, please. <laughs>
2: Well, at the risk of it being trite, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You, you don't need to do absolutely everything right now. There are calls for people. I saw Kelly Criderman call them, for example, suggesting where CPPIB's numbers, you don't need to give it to them right now. You can wait. You can watch. Unless you're losing control of the narrative, you can crush people later. You certainly don't want to put out all your best arguments now only to have them receded to the past and um, and you know not have the currency you need them to have before a moment where either A, a decision will be made whether this thing goes to referendum or B, the referendum. But keep in mind with a marathon, you don't also just stand at the starting line. So you've got to make sure you're not doing absolutely nothing. I know there's been commentary on both sides as to the CPPIB's letter and analysis of the, um, you know, whether the consultation mechanism was in any way valid consultation. Spoiler alert, it for sure fails on every single metric. That's not a dispute in my mind. I don't think that was bad at all. I think that uh, the idea that they get on the record on a couple of things is important. I think they need to be seeding those doubts. I think they need to be undercutting the validity of a very long process that the government is spooling out here. I think they need to advertise. They were. I assume they still are. I haven't seen one in a while. But I've seen lots of CPPIB advertising in the past couple of years here. I think that's the right approach. And I also think you've got to be watching very carefully, learning, gathering data, really getting into the metrics. To Carter's point, this is going to be an individual decision times 4.5 million, not a group Mm -hmm. decision. So what is moving people in demographic A? What is moving people in demographic B? Demographic C is never with you. Fuck them. Just make sure they're not very motivated. Demographic E, demographic F, so on and so forth. Really getting into the details in terms of what's going to, you know be productive also know who your champions are and how you can arm them with messages that'll move the middle and you certainly you've got to keep kind of that all in context and all in mind as you move forward there but ultimately it comes back to this notion it's a marathon not a sprint the benefit you have if you're cppib governments are not built for marathons Mm. governments are built for sprints you are an institution. You are a long-serving, long-living institution. You are built for marathons, and you have a structural advantage as long as you don't fuck it, the ever-loving up.
1: Well, and to that end, can I just add one thing? And that is, one of the things I think we learned with the Olympics is don't replace good messaging with bad messaging, right? So, if you're going to be patient, then be patient, but don't, you know, try and do messaging on the fly that doesn't work because some of that messaging that you do on the fly will haunt you um, all the way through the project. So make sure your messaging is right before you go out with
0: Carter, overrated, underrated in your mind? I just mentioned this earlier. Polyev, Trudeau, Notley, all on the same team against the APP or a potential APP. Overrated, underrated in your mind? <clears throat>
1: I think overrated. I think that this feels an awful lot like Brexit to me. You know, Brexit was, I think, brought forward like, we'll just quickly squash this from the minority of people that want it. And there was a few people who got on board in part just to kind of fuck with the government of the day. And uh, they wound up winning it. And And it was like the dog who caught the car. They didn't know what to do with it. And I, I fear that that could be the same type of outcome here is that you know, the, 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 all of these people who are aligned against this um, uh, venture could could start to think, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. We're all we all agree without recognizing that it's the it's it's the great unwashed that are given the votes. Right. Like the those are the people who are given the votes and, and, and they vote for their own individual reasons, not. Uh, common sense or facts in in way too many Corey? cases.
0: I don't know. Why would you know? Why would you know, Corey?
1: Are you done, Corey? Are you, did, 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 did hang on? Are we? Well, yeah, I mean, over this now, is where out. No. <laughs>
0: Corey hasn't. Why? Why would he? Why would he yeah. even want to answer the question? Let's just see oh, if Corey he's, remembers he's the question. Done. I think he, we should start there. Oh no, I don't think. I don't think. He I does.
1: mean.
2: It's, everything Stephen said has a kernel of truth in it, but is also, as oh, always, greatly oh, really overstated. This is an evergreen statement, which yeah. probably just needs a little bit more nuance, a little bit more context uh, in order for it to be entirely correct. So I'm, as always, happy to kind of just modify Stephen Carter's answer up from a C- to oh, an A.
0: Thank you, Corey. That's very insightful. Hey, Corey, I'm going to start with you on this final question. Jagmeet Singh wants to meet with Justin Trudeau to discuss calls for the Israel-Hamas ceasefire. He's he's responding to that letter that we spent some time discussing. If you were Jugmeet Singh, yeah. would you threaten the supply and confidence agreement on this particular file, Corey? Would you use your mm. leverage on this particular file? Um, just curious about your thinking very quickly. Carter, same question to you as we wrap up. Ah, uh, that is tough. I would need to... Well, explain to, to me your conflict. You know, this explain, is, explain to me how, what you're thinking. Yeah.
2: Well, I simply don't know how that's going. Look, if you end supply and confidence on this particular matter, and if and listen, it's not the same as calling an election. But say you end up there too, if an election happens on this because all of a sudden everything in Parliament's totally up in the air, I just don't know how it breaks for people. I mean, it's yeah. it's not an issue that we have historically resolved elections mm-hmm. upon international affairs period and the issue of uh, the two-state solution, Israel-Hamas, peace specifically. So I just don't know. I mean, it's very risky to go in there and take that particular position. And, you know, every instinct in my body says, you don't do that. That could really backfire in ways that you can't even contemplate right now. That said, I do think that there is, if you want to kind of separate all of this out, and I'm not making... I'm not making moral judgments. I'm not even making tactical judgments here. But I'm saying that there is a bit of a money ball approach, I think, that's available if every other party is going to be so full-throated in in one direction and you take a different position, right? Let's just say, for example, 30% of Canadians agree with Jagmeet Singh's position on that. Well, that's a lot more popular than the NDP is is right now. Depending on which poll you're reading. Well, this is my point. Um, so again, like, I think ultimately it's a little bit too risky. It's a little bit too not. That novel, the election
0: becomes about that, that you win those supporters. That the election, well, and is the and election going to be about that not. or is that just going to be yeah. the trigger yeah. and it
2: becomes yeah. a different thing? But, yeah, I mean, there is an interesting kind of, uh, like I said, money ball approach here. Every, people are building teams maybe in a way that's not reflective
0: of Carter, would you threaten the supply and confidence agreement if you're Jugmeet Singh on this particular file, if you, if and when you get your meeting with, with Trudeau?
1: No. Um, I don't believe that you can fight elections on certain topics. And I would suggest that this is, uh, a topic that you shouldn't be fighting an election over. I mean, um, again, if we return to my, tonight's thesis brought to you by Stephen Carter is that the voters are selfish. And if we live there, then we need to recognize that, that it's really hard to predict how people will respond to an international situation. Um, it's not necessarily going to be easy or predictable. And so uh, you're, you're already at a shitty spot in the polls anyways. I, I just think this would be a tragic time to uh, to be stretching one's uh, wings. A
0: tragic time to be stretching one's wings, uh, Flair Airlines. That's a wrap on episode 1262 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Veljian. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, and we'll see you next time.
2: Zane, I, I have a confession Later, to make. Corey. I I actually didn't remember the question when I gave that answer. That I said I didn't. No know. fucking kidding, really.
0: I really? think I covered it up oh pretty God. well. I think. Every, I don't think anybody I think, knew. I think because I think most people knew. know you as a prick, uh, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, Corey was just tapped out. He didn't like the question line. He was zoned out. This was definitely not someone who wasn't paying attention.
2: You'll, you'll be fine. the value, the value of a brick. <laughs> Let
1: me tell you something. I often don't know what the question is, but that does not stop me from answering.